0: Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future.
1: Hello, I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Alex Ketch, head of digital securities at SDX, which he joined in November 2022 from City Ventures blockchain and digital asset team in Switzerland. Prior to that, Alex founded Onchain Custodian, ONC, the Singapore and Shanghai-based digital asset custodian and prime broker, which he founded after 17 years with SWIFT, including seven years in Asia. Our topic, it will not surprise you to learn, is the future of the digital asset markets. Alex, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Let me start with a big question. How do you expect tokenization to happen? And in particular, how it's going to achieve scale? Is this gonna happen through the migration of the existing Uh, Securities markets, equities and bonds, for example, migrating to blockchain, or is it going to happen through the construction of a a parallel uh, native digital asset industry?
0: Uh, I think it's going to be the second. So uh, we are currently building a parallel uh, avenue for issuance of digital assets for traditional instruments like bonds or private equities, for example, Uh, and that's really The objective here is to build leveraging blockchain technology a new southern infrastructure that can progressively open up and become global uh, while the traditional uh, infrastructure still is still running and importantly uh, we also want to make sure that we can bridge traditional with the new infrastructure through a link that we've established for example with the six uh, infrastructure uh, for the Purpose of ensuring that it, we're not disrupting the market uh, with our new technology, we're enabling the market with new capabilities.
1: As you've just pointed out, you, you've kept the old infrastructure going, if you like, alongside the new one. And the issuers which you've hosted uh, at STX, both the SIX, your parent company, and uh, and UBS, they both issued onto onto the existing uh, infrastructure, but also onto the new infrastructure. Now. That's obviously part of your strategy, but did the outcome of that um, exceed your expectations? Did you see more people uh, moving on to the new infrastructure as opposed to the old one? I'm, I'm talking here of investors. Um, were you surprised by
0: the outcome at all? So I guess the outcome was to uh, reassure the market that issuing natively on a blockchain-based system is a uh, not damaging them in terms of quality of the products and access to the products. Um, so that was the, the first objective of uh, having this ability to do lists list on the traditional exchange and the new exchange, and also to settle at the traditional CSD and the blockchain-based CSD. So now that we have reassured the market that works, uh, we do see an influx of uh, interest the issuer side but also from the members side in terms of uh, joining sdx to start uh, actively uh, primary market trade and secondary market trade on the infrastructure as they becoming more uh, comfortable with uh, for example the funding requirements around atomic uh, settlements and so on and so forth so the objective is really to have them learn with us as we Uh, deploy more assets on the platform and as we deploy more services on the platform as well now you
1: just mentioned you're seeing increasing interest from issuers you're seeing increased membership but as you look across the the marketplace uh, which group because there are lots of different uh, entities involved in making tokenization happen not just the issuers and the investors but also all those intermediaries those banks and private banks and brokers and and asset managers, which of those groups is proving easiest to persuade of the merits of this, which is proving most difficult, because you have to bring all these different groups uh, onto the platform, don't you?
0: Indeed, especially knowing that the membership of of SDX and SIX are banks and uh, securities firms, so we're not directly talking to the issuers. So it's important, obviously, to ensure that these uh, existing members uh, find an interest in using our services. Um, I guess the, the the easy part is that the banks that we have uh, engaged with are all convinced and align with our vision that uh, most likely, Anything of value in the future will be tokenized on blockchains, and I use a NESS on purpose, uh, at least at this stage, and they are developing their own capabilities internally to deal with digital assets, to deal with nodes on blockchains. So uh, if our infrastructure can help do that with real transactions, they they, they see it as an, an opportunity to try it out in a production live environment uh, for some uh, assets that they're comfortable with uh, doing today so it's bonds but it's also private equity uh, where their current process is not ideal uh, today it's very manual so there we bring immediately value to them not only to the issuer but also to the agents that are supporting those issuers in ensuring that those private shares can be um, in tokenized form and therefore become bankable assets uh, for their investors and also to help them orchestrate the uh, the whole process of managing those private shares, which today is most of the time done on Excel spreadsheet or only at registry uh, services uh, with no transparency and no or less visibility, I would say, than uh, in an in open infrastructure like we have.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll come back to what you've just said about private equity and that registration function in a minute. But just before I do, this is clearly not just about Switzerland. This is an international strategy you you have here, uh, and the Swiss market is set up both legally and in terms of the infrastructure you've built in in one way. How much does it um matter that not all markets you might be looking to be active in have reached the same level of development? I suppose you know you you're, there are variations between different national markets. Switzerland, as you say, is is full of banks. Your own organisation is backed by, owned by banks. Um, so, are you having to adapt the model as you as you as you talk to other markets because they have different structures, different histories, and different levels of legal uh, and infrastructural development?
0: It's uh, clearly, your- yes. Yeah. Yes, clearly yes. But our focus is the low hanging fruits in the sense of we focusing on in, on jurisdictions where there is a similar approach to uh to the Swiss, to switzerland so singapore is one there we have a joint venture with uh, sbi uh, and six called asia next uh, that is providing services for not only crypto spot and crypto derivatives but we'll also look at uh digital securities or securities tokens uh offerings like they call it in that jurisdiction so uh quite interestingly uh there we see potential for creating those liquidity corridors and uh, build and starting building those global liquidity uh, access that we we want, uh, we believe, will be the future. Uh, Beyond Singapore, uh, Germany is an interesting country where uh, the law has evolved to enable uh, tokenization on blockchain of securities, and that helps as well. So we're looking at how we could maybe use Germany as a first step within in Europe uh, for expanding our services. So... Uh, we, it's, I would s- summarize by saying that it's a, a cautious and step-by-step approach that we're taking in terms of internationalization, because it's, as you said, it's not easy necessarily, and all jurisdictions are not fully aligned. Um, uh, but uh, this is clearly an intention that we have.
1: You are clearly making progress in jurisdictions like Singapore and uh, Germany, where there has been legal and uh, regulatory progress to to make it easier to to tokenize assets, but I've kind of taken it as read that Switzerland is absolutely fine in that respect, but perhaps I'll just ask the question, do you face any serious legal or regulatory obstacles to getting tokenizations done uh, back home in Switzerland these days? Not
0: not really, uh, because the law enables, well, there are multiple uh, law uh, legal regimes that enables a licensed exchange and csd as we are to operate on a blockchains setup uh, there are dlt laws in switzerland on, uh, enabling direct issuance on public blockchains we actually making sure that we can bridge those two worlds because we're currently working on a private blockchain setup we want to make sure that we can also link to the public blockchain uh, assets if, if you wish and 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 ensure that our customers have access to both um i guess the, the challenge we may we 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 are confronted to is that when you look at uh, the MiCA regulation uh, on on in europe it will enable csds to not only uh, offer custody and man and maintenance and ma- management uh, services for uh, what they currently do digital uh, for securities but also for cryptocurrencies and for uh, dlt securities in, in, in or crypto securities so what 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 we see then, well Switzerland actually does not have that capability. So as a CSD, I can only deal with securities. I cannot deal with Bitcoin and ETH and cryptocurrencies. That's why we have a separate legal entity to do that. So these are discussions we want to have with our regulators, obviously, to say, uh, telling them and our lawmakers to, to tell them, well, look at Europe. If we do not progress and continue to be at the forefront of regulations uh, in this space, we will be caught up by a competing uh, marketplace. So that's the type of discussions we continually having with regulators and lawmakers to ensure that we keep our edge in a way, not as a commercial company, but as a market and as a country. Mm -hmm.
1: You mentioned uh, a a private blockchain, private assets as as a, as a, as low-hanging fruit. Now, Switzerland famously has a lot of small and medium-sized companies in it. Are are, are they the classic low-hanging fruit? Are they very attractive as targets, clients? For what you're trying to do?
0: Yes, on the private share side, we definitely have a nice playground in Switzerland, and uh, don't really need to go beyond Switzerland for the moment, because there is a lot to do. Uh, the, most uh, there are like dozens of thousands of SMEs and 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 and. and and fintech companies in Switzerland operating privately. Uh, and uh, we, 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 we see that those companies are staying private longer and sometimes that never become public pr- companies. So uh, they've been historically underserved in terms of how private shares are managed, how their shareholdering structure is, is, is managed, how transfers of ownership between various private uh, owners of the companies are done, inheritance and so on and so forth. So. The objective of SDX here is to build an ecosystem where we can not only tokenize private shares and ease the settlement of those private shares, the uh, management of those private shares, uh, create transparency for the issuer and so on, but also to um, help with funding of those companies as they go through their life cycle before they become public, or even if they never become public. So um, in in that regards, uh, we are building a, what we called, Funding support platform where the various actors involved in funding uh, rounds of those companies, banks, uh, VCs, uh, um, investors through uh, private banks, for example, can connect, see deals that are available, find the necessary information to make them to make a decision on whether it's a good investment or not, and therefore participate to various funding rounds throughout the life cycle of the company. So it's not only about Tokenizing its private shares and making them transparent and easy to settle and easy to hold and easy to move around. Uh, but it's also about facilitating the additional funding uh, 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 events of those uh, SMEs and those fintech.
1: Mm-hmm. You use the term funding support, and obviously, raising capital is the primary benefit of, of working with you for these these private companies what's the rest of the sales pitch what other benefits do you talk to them about you mentioned much earlier on the question of, of share registration perhaps for the first time they can get a properly organized cap table or share register set up um and i assume cost is an advantage share it's a lower cost of capital for them but when you're talking to these issuers these private company issuers, what what does the sales pitch consist of
0: uh, as I mentioned, it's really about uh, mostly organize, orchestrating and, and helping them with the administration of their shareholders, um, and through partners that we have, uh, share registry offering support for uh, uh, general assembly meetings or assembly meetings and and, and 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 other corporate action events or or events. Uh, they we, we we can then um, make that uh, experience of. Funding a startup and 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 building and growing a startup or funding an SME and grow uh, founding an SME and grounding and uh, growing an SME uh, uh, easier, without the risk of uh, losing track of who actually owns your company, which sometimes happens. You would be surprised, and and ensuring that you can uh, easily uh, progress if that's what you want towards a IPO that will be. Um, uh, sound and organized uh, because you will be clear on your private uh, during your private journey so that's the main I would say pitch for the, the issuer side for the, the investor side and the bank servicing the investors and I think it's important as well is that we make those private shares bankable assets so today if I'm an investor in in SME uh, in, in Switzerland or a startup uh, I don't see my shares on my bank account because they are either in a drawer in a piece for paper uh, piece one for in an excel spreadsheet somewhere or some sometimes i i i I could lose track of it with tokenization through the sdx platform those assets become bankable assets get an an eyes in assigned, and i see it and i can see it in my uh, custody accounts at ubs for example which is quite Needs not only for the investor side but also for the issuer side as a service in a way to uh, to their uh, in, to their um, owners, their shareholders
1: yeah. Now, private companies issuing uh, tokenized shares is one thing, but what about funds, including, I might say, private equity funds? Are private equity funds, real estate funds, venture capital funds on the one hand, the alternative funds you might call them? a target, but are also um, retail funds, USITs, AFES, are they also attractive targets to SDX as issuers rather than investors?
0: Yes, definitely. So this is the next topic that we're talking to uh, VC, for example, and other uh, private fund uh, um, issuers. So uh, we, we are in Early discussions to enable similar a similar process than for private shares for private equity funds, for example, um, and that, by the way, is through discussions with banks who have their own tokenization pl- platform and do and are doing that for the for the benefits of their customers. But what we in discussion with uh, with those banks uh, about is. It's great to build a tokenization platform on your your own that is accessible to your customer base. But what about we make those instruments also accessible to investors at at other banks that are banking with UBS uh, or another private bank in Switzerland, for example. And and that resonates. So we will have some uh, news to announce in the next six months around that, uh, because it's clearly a target for us to expand the platform with new asset types, and uh, uh, beyond the bonds, the private shares that we currently have.
1: That's a very interesting observation you've just made. Can I can I press you to tell us a bit more about it? Because there seems to be a a, a trend occurring where, as you point out, banks are building, if you like, their own tokenization engines. They obviously have access to uh, groups of, of issuers. They have access to investors. And this is happening not just in Switzerland, but but it's happening here in the UK, for example, and in other markets as well. So uh do you how do you expect this ecosystem to evolve if we've got lots of different tokenization engines tokenizing assets possibly in a non-standardized way uh how difficult is that going to make it for investors to access these different assets in a seamless way Uh, and how difficult is going to be for issuers to make sure that they maximize the value of the issue they're making how do you expect this what is becoming quite a fragmented, complex ecosystem on an international scale? How do you expect it to evolve? You've hinted at it with, you know, make your assets available through us as well. Is that is that the is that how this is going to happen looking forward?
0: I would say yes. Yeah. So I see two uh, evolutions. So yes, today these individual banks are creating tokenization platform on different blockchain setup that don't necessarily talk to one another, I think one of the trends will be that those uh, the choice of blockchain of those banks will evolve towards a standardized setup. It could be a Canton blockchain that's been announced recently. It could be a Corda a blockchain that everybody's using. It could be even a public blockchain. So assuming that it's progressing in that direction, you will end up with an interoperable infrastructure that will enable move uh, uh, assets tokenized by citibank for example to be held uh, in a wallet uh, that is managed by ubs for the private customer of them of them for example Um, we can we 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 do see also uh, us fmis playing an important role in bridging those various setups and creating that interoperability so uh, until this blockchain enabled interoperability is a reality, which will probably take 10 to 15 years, to be fully honest, Um, FMIs like SDX can be the bridge between individual setups and markets, the entire market. And that's what we're discussing with with banks, and they are quite interested in the, uh, in the in in this idea. Actually, that as we're playing a role of a neutral role today of market access to liquidity, we can play exact same role, but in a blockchain context with uh, the uh, these tokenization platforms.
1: SDX operating as a bridge uh, across these multiple tokenization engines platforms is a, an interesting way of looking at how the market is going to evolve it prompts a thought in my mind is uh, um, you're kind of taking away the operational burden of accommodating themselves to this market from the banks which prompts in my mind a, a more substantial more general question is how much operational change you know we've talked a lot about the issuers and the investors already we haven't talked that much about the intermediaries but here you are saying we can make your adaptation mr intermediary to this marketplace much easier but how much change do the existing intermediaries actually have to make to operate in what's going to be a pretty complex uh, tokenized ecosystem initially things like settling atomically operating their own nodes running their own engines how much how disruptive is this change going to be if you're
0: a bank or a broker
1: looking to service clients
0: it is a gigantic disruption if you want my 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 view because you you are ripping off your heart in a way and putting it in common with other infrastructures so you you're instead of running your own ledger you you're going to share that ledger in a way with 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 others uh, in a blockchain and and that's just technologically is a major uh, um, challenge for banks who are still in some case running on couple based system uh, or, um, or if not co- uh, cobalt-based systems, uh, technologies that are not adapted for uh, listening to an external ledger and reflecting those positions into the account of the customers uh, without having full control of that ledger. If you see what I mean, so that's that's a that's a major uh, uh, paradigm shift for them and for us as well as as a CSD, for example. <laughs> we can discuss about that later. Um, it, the good news there is that all the banks I'm talking to, they have clearly plans and programs in place to enable node management, enable wallet services, and and wallet management uh, to progressively uh, deploy services on this new technology, and probably less progressively, but it will happen. Opening up to uh, to 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 the to. Globally, I would say. So, if we can help in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, intermediation or in the interoperability of those various setups, uh, while it's opening up, I think it's 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 something we should do. But it will also position us, position us very well to start deploying services that can leverage on assets that are issued by the various banks uh, in their uh, various ecosystems. That's on the technology side. On the operational side, treasury management, for example, there are clear challenges to move from, well, there are clear challenges already today to move from T plus 2 to T plus 1. We know we see that in the US. Uh, people are ready to do that now. But uh, the ultimate objective is that everything will be instant, uh, like it is in cash nowadays, like FX, the FX market is pretty much today. Uh, uh, that's going to be the expectation for securities as well in the future. So moving from a T plus two funding paradigm to a refunding paradigm for, to enable atomic settlement um, is, is something very complicated to, 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 have to manage uh, for, for, for most banks, which is understandable. So it's also our role, in my view, to provide solutions such as um, the ability to, uh, for example, uh, reverse repo, for two minutes the time uh, for for settlement of a transaction uh because you don't have the cash until you have the time to move the cash into your node for example so those type of things we are looking at doing and offering that's the extra value that's uh, and service that we can offer uh as a, as, as an fmi or as the a dfmi a digital fmi as i call it uh, pro- as we go and as we grow uh, with, with with our community
1: yeah, if, if you thought uh, switching to T plus one or T plus zero was difficult, switching to atomic settlement uh, is uh, that problem on steroids, isn't it? Now, you yes. mentioned en uh, passant that you are obviously operating a, a digital CSD here. If we'd had this conversation, as I think we did two or three years ago, we'd probably spent quite a lot of it talking about whether CSDs and indeed custodian banks would survive uh, tokenization. Would they, Would they or would they not be? disintermediated. Uh, I think it's now clear that uh, not only are both these types of institutions still with us, it's pretty clear that they uh, are here to stay because they're fulfilling useful functions. So what does that tell us about the maturity of the debate about tokenization, that we're no longer having this discussion about disintermediating CSDs and custodians, but talking about how they're going to help this happen? What does that tell us?
0: Well, it tells us that uh, CSDs and custodians don't only do, do not only safe keep assets and settle assets for their customers. <laughs> they also performing important roles such as, at least in the, let, let's look at FMIs, as being the uh, entity that is responsible for making sure that the markets function as it should function and that uh, th- the regulator has someone to call if something goes wrong so the, the role we see ourselves playing in the future would will not be looking at all like what a csd is doing today but it will still be an important role in the sense of we will be in our view the the the, the entities that are deploying multi-party services on blockchain like a a, a uniswap or ave for for institutional and make sure that the smart contracts, for example, that are deployed are sound, have been audited, and and that uh, if something goes wrong, the regulator has someone to call to and, and blame, actually, as well for any issues that will take place. That's one role. The second role is giving access to those services. So uh, it's not going to be like Uniswap and Aave today where anybody with a wallet can access, obviously. For institutional grade type of service on blockchain, you need someone to uh, KYC institutions to make sure that institution A can have access to this type of instrument and that type of service uh, for regulatory uh, based on regulations. And that's still a role that a centralized operator of services on a decentralized infrastructure uh, will 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 need to uh, uh, will be uh, playing and will be needed uh, actually. On the custody side, the banks, as you rightly said, uh, will have to operate differently uh technologically but i um, do not expect you and me and other in, uh, retail investors to want to manage their assets directly even if the blockchain te- uh, theoretically may could allow them to do so what will likely happen is that they will delegate that management of assets like they do today to banks that can offer them additional value added services on top of just safekeeping the assets for them so that's not going to change in my view uh, there will be more competition on both sides, FMIs and bank sides, which is good. Uh, but uh, fundamentally, uh, just for regulatory reason, I think uh, FMIs will continue to exist. And uh, for convenience point of view, uh, banks will continue to exist as well.
1: Banks and FMIs will continue to exist. Uh, and, and certainly in the short term, I imagine they're going to carry on doing a lot of the things that they do. And if I could abstract the function which they spend a lot of their time doing it's actually moving information point to point these famous reconciliation processes they're exchanging messages often in swift formats adding a bit to it passing it on so in a fully tokenized market when this vision is fully realized those point-to-point information exchanges are not going to be necessary anymore what do you think those financial institutions those custodian banks and those financial market infrastructures the csd's if you like what are they what are they going to be doing when those core point to point information exchanges are no longer
0: necessary well they will continue to offer other services which is well wallet management for example so access to those blockchains in plural or maybe one day to that blockchain um, to uh, and securing of those assets which are cryptographically uh, held on those blockchains. so it's quite important to ensure that there is no uh, issue uh, with with uh, the safekeeping of those assets. so traditional custody if you wish. Uh, I think they will also be able to offer innovative new type of financial services around um, um, that are still unknown at this stage to be honest uh, um, because of the technology, we could, for example, expect that as those as, as more and more valuable assets are tokenized on blockchain and very easy to manage, you could imagine that uh, Lombard loans type of uh, will be easier to 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 operate and therefore to offer. Meaning, uh, you can use anything as collateral at one point for any other for any financial needs. So because it's easy because it's held in the same wallet because it's it's in tokenized form and because it can be moved and 24 uh, 7 uh, if need be. so that's the expectation so those banks will, cont- will financial institutions will continue to intermediate for their customers towards that new infrastructure new infrastructure and will creatively, Likely create, uh, come up with financial products that are for the interest of their customers, um, thanks to that technology.
1: We've talked about how SDX is looking to collaborate with the banks who are building their own tokenization engines, but SDX is also working with other tokenization platforms in Switzerland. Is the thinking behind your collaboration with them, your strategy behind your collaboration with them, exactly the same as you're thinking with the banks, or is it a
0: something different it's similar anybody that really is enabling uh tokenized uh well issuance of token uh, tokenized assets be it on public blockchains or private blockchains um, we should have as an objective to connect with them because the ultimate objective is to make tokenized assets accessible to investors the only i always say there are only two entities that matters in our world of capital market is the investor and issuer, anybody else in the middle is, uh, someone that that is supposed to support the access of the investor to the issuer's assets and, and the management of those assets by the issuer, nothing else. So it is in the investors and issuers interest that we connect with any, uh, actors be bank or fintech that's enabling. Uh, tokenization because uh, uh, ultimately we're serving the same customers so servicing the same customers so um, we do we we obviously connect to a register tokenized registry like uh, Axonariat, for example in in switzerland with the purpose of uh, accessing the issuer and then on we do the same on the bank side to access the, the issuers and the investors so it's always with the same purpose connecting issue with investors, uh, and, and making sure that everything works.
1: If you are to realize that vision of an interoperating network of different tokenization networks, a sort of network of networks, I suppose, and you touched on this yes. earlier, you know, this interoperability depends ultimately on seamless exchanges of data between these different networks these different blockchain protocols and indeed ultimately with the with the traditional financial services industry as well so we all agree interoperability is vital to to realizing the vision does that mean standards how do you how ultimately can that and you said earlier this could could take 15 or 20 years but what steps can be taken now towards realizing interoperability through the use of, of, of standardization or other methods? How do you think that interoperability problem can be tackled now, how it should be solved starting today?
0: Well, clearly, uh, by reusing any existing uh, standards out there in terms of identification of instrument, for example, or um, even uh, design of APIs to access blockchains, why not? Uh, ISO 22 could be used for that uh, as an example, but there are a specific standards that are being created and have been created to support tokenization. Uh, digital token identifier is one of them, ISO 24165, that really enables you to uniquely identify a token on its blockchain, which is important if you are in a multi-blockchain setup. You could imagine very well that an, uh, a bond issuance with the same ISIN could be on three blockchains in the future because uh, it's a fact of life because it it, it, there's a reason for it and you need to be able to clearly identify especially for a company like us who wants to interoperate and and bridge those blockchains which one is which right so those type of standards are critical and uh, we we are working with the uh, dti foundation to ensure that every time we have an issuance we are issuing a dti for it or sets of dti in the future when we will issue on multiple blockchains you never know or make them available on other blockchains. So that's that, that's an, uh, an example that is uh, significant. So yes, standards uh, are critical. Uh, reuse of existing standards uh, when they are relevant and creation of new standards when they don't exist uh, uh, is, is critical. And I would add there that it's there's also an important role for industry groups such as ISA, such as GDF Global Digital Finance on the crypto side to uh, collaborate, and they do. To build market practices and best practices around how custody should be done and ISSA and gdf recently or are about to publish a, cust- uh, a document on a white paper on this these type of collaborations are essential to ensure that this interoperability or that bridging of chains um, until one chain maybe uh, eventually emerge uh, is done in the most efficient way
1: mm-hmm. One way in which we'll be able to tell that the vision is getting closer to realization is when we see liquid secondary markets in tokenized assets developing. What services do you think we need to develop now to support that type of liquid secondary market emerging? I'm thinking here of things like market making, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the primary market, but the secondary market, What what's needed to make that happen?
0: well market making is clearly uh, uh, an important um component of the existing financial infrastructure that needs to be somewhat replicated on the uh, digital version of that market and that's happening so if you look uh, always take ex- always look at what's happening on ethereum to understand what could be the future of of blockchain and when you look at what happens on ethereum on on Udisub type of service, for example, you have automatic make, market making, where people with excess uh, tokens in, in one, of one sort can make them available for for um, for uh, for market making uh, purpose and and earn a, a reward, as they call it in the crypto space, to avoid the regulators uh, going after them, but interest in other time, in, in other reason, and fees. So. That, that's a model that I think can be replicated for institutional as well. Um, but the, the traditional way of doing it could also be be used. So you could imagine a, a DEX a decentralized exchange that has a, uh, in which uh, traditional market makers have access to and provide liquidity when required. Um, another way of dealing with that challenge would be, and especially a pre funding challenge what we discussed in the atomic settlement part, would be to create are they like services but for institutional where you can instantaneously borrow an assets that you need for settlements and then reimburse your borrowing uh, even five minutes later by providing back those those instruments uh, once you've done with your settlement so uh, those things will be put in place progressively in the institutional space as well but Unfortunately, we can't just copy paste what happens on Ethereum, because this hasn't been built for retail usage, clearly, and it's not uh, to the level of robustness that uh, regulators and banks and FMIs would be comfortable with deploying for institutional customers and institutional use. Uh,
1: talking of automated market making, I saw an experiment the other day in which uh, a central bank was investigating whether automated market makers could play a role in integrating uh, central bank digital currencies into into the settlement uh, and trading process. Now, Mariano project, right? That's right. Yes, From the, exactly. Yes. Um, thank you for reminding me of the name. Um, yes, uh, it, it prompts a, a thought uh, on my part, which is that that SIX, your parent company, has been working with the Swiss National Bank for a long time uh, on integrating central bank digital currencies into the settlement process, uh, and you're about to actually do this do this for real. What's the what's the true significance of that? You know, we seem to have been waiting for years for fiat currency to be available on blockchain networks. Is this is this about to happen? Is this a truly epochal uh, event that's about to occur?
0: It is because it's going to be the first time that a production deployment of wholesale CBDC will take place. <laughs> Uh, in the past it has been about proof of concept, trying it, trying it out, it, maybe doing one transaction to, to see how it works. Uh, here we're talking about a series of transactions, if we follow the announcement by the Swiss National Bank, that will be uh, enabled on the sdx platform for uh, uh, with, uh and will be paid in wholesale cbdc that the central bank itself will tokenize on our platform so clear really central bank money central uh settlements on our platform in the form of uh, wholesale cbdc so that's 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 a essential first step towards anything else, really. Uh, In parallel, I don't know if you're aware of that, but the Swiss Banking Association is looking at models on how they could start tokenizing deposits and and start exchanging um, tokenized Swiss franc, deposits for Swiss franc, between various retail and corporate companies in Switzerland, very early stage. But that can only work, in my view, if you have a wholesale CBDC anchor at the bottom to uh, ensure that uh, when a token moves from UBS to ZKB, Zurich Continental Bank customer, that there is a clearing happening between those two banks. And the ideal setup, if everything is tokenized, is that the tokenized deposits are uh, on blockchain, but also the wholesale CBDC are on on blockchain to enable this. This is very much the regulated liability network that... uh, uh has been tested recently uh in the us and the uk uh in terms of concept um and, and that will also probably also uh the, the fact that we're gonna start issuing wholesale cbdc uh for dvp purposes first on sdx is opening hopefully doors to other discussions with the swiss national bank and the banking sector in switzerland to see how, what else can be done uh, what else can this also cbdc enable in terms of use cases and in terms of processes
1: We're having a very forward-looking, positive conversation here about primary market issuance of tokens, secondary market trading. We've just been talking about how the settlement process is going to become more efficient, uh, how the trading process has become more efficient by adapting innovations from, as you point out, the Ethereum blockchain, automated market making, automated borrowing and lending. We're going to have CBDCs on-chain. And so on. And on the other hand, the the industry which gave birth to all these innovations, the cryptocurrency industry and its uh, its offshoot in the decentralized finance industry, which gave us uh, things like RV, they've had a very tough uh, eighteen months since uh, since the bear market set in. I think in November twenty twenty one. Yet we uh, we haven't really touched on that at all. Is it is is what's happening in 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 the cryptocurrency and DeFi markets kind of irrelevant to the digital asset strategy at STX. I know you have a separate subsidiary dealing with, with with that side of things, but when you talk to customers, are they saying, well, you know, the cryptocurrency markets are not doing very well and or, is it, or have these two industries become completely decoupled now?
0: I wouldn't say that. Uh, when you look at the last 18 months, you've not, we've noticed two things. Is that uh, DeFi... As DeFi the purely decentralized finance services on Ethereum, like Aave, like Uniswap, they really had no trouble, no issue during those last eighteen months. They functioned as they were expected. They were coded to function uh, in, through the smart contract. People who need who were uh, we had to be liquidated because their collateral uh, level was not enough has been uh, have been automatically liquidated. Uh, and so on and so forth. So the, the system has worked as it should have uh, in the DeFi space. What has not worked in the um, in the crypto space in general is unregulated, badly governed with risk man- uh, with awful risk management. CFI services, centralized financial services, such as um, FTX, for example. These are not DeFi offerings; they are CFI offering, which is very essential to to mention. So I think it's it's going this eighteen month of nightmares for many uh, retail investors i think is pushing the whole industry in the right direction so more trusting to a DeFi type of approach where you don't have that um, where uh, code is actually uh, deciding on on what should happen and not human beings with uh, bad intentions <laughs> and then regulation of the more regulation and more requirements for governance and proper risk management of the centralized services, such as the exchanges, the crypto exchanges, or the lending platform, uh, such as Celsius, for example. So I think it is uh, is good. It clearly slowed down the appetite to do stuff in this space for customers of ours, but we do not see a, oh, no, we're going to stop everything. It's more like, yeah, let's make sure that we use, we playing with the actors that makes sense. So we using custodians like SDX, who have this, uh, this culture of risk management, this culture of uh, security, uh, and, and therefore we can trust more than another custodians uh, in the crypto space, that's one. And second is how can, uh, let's position ourselves in terms of starting off to offer services in that space as a bank rather than um, um, letting our investors our customers uh, deal with uh, unreliable uh, service providers in this space
1: one final question for you alex you're on the record somewhere is saying that you believe everything of value can and one day will be tokenized and coming from somebody of your your background and experience that's a non-trivial statement so how long do you think that vision of yours that transition to this fully tokenized future how long do you think it's going to take
0: it's the uh, one million question right um if i would know i would be i would i would be able to bet and i would be out of uh, i would stop working immediately but unfortunately it's a difficult quite difficult question when i'm asked i generally say between five years and 15 years so five years to start seeing something that is um, substantial in terms of uh, issuance, trading, and, and 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 real activity at global level. So starting by countries and then pro- progressively becoming global. But for for the entire uh, capital market ecosystem to be tokenizable and tokenized, that's that's going to take an extra uh, an extra ten years. So in my view, so it's going to be between five and fifteen years. And uh, I, I might have chosen. That 15 years, because it's when I will retire <laughs> normally, uh, unless they move up the, the the age of retirement again, but mm-hmm. um, it's might be a psychological answer, but I think that's going to be uh, long because it's not something trivial to do. We're not moving data here, we're moving value around, and that's way more complicated to do than, uh, than managing data or managing something else on the internet, for example.
1: Alex Ketch, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to the members of Future of Finance.
0: It was my pleasure, always great to talk to you, Dominic.